0: hey guys welcome to confessions of a christian chick podcast it's your girl amanda and we are in season four i am so happy to be here so blessed so honored i've missed you guys so much we're in a whole new year 2021 we're well into 2021 actually and Here we are, like, oh my goodness. I'm so happy to be back, honestly. The break was, it was needed, right? It was needed, but I hope you guys are all doing well. I hope everyone has been staying just healthy and safe and blessed and yeah, like, yeah. Wow. I feel weird even recording. It just feels so different. It's been so long. Again, welcome to season four. I am so happy to be here. We have an amazing season planned. Really, I know I say that every season, but this one's gonna be really good. It's gonna be really, really good. And it is March. So we are in International Women's History Month. Shout out to all the amazing women across the world doing the thing, doing your thing, living life, getting educated, starting businesses, serving in the kingdom of God. Shout out to all the women all around the world. So with that being said, that means we are going to be breaking down four women from the Bible for this month, getting into their stories like we did last year, extracting what we can learn from them and trying to apply that to our own lives. So that's what we're doing for the month of March. And then after that, we're getting into a regular season. So I hope you guys are excited. I hope you guys are Happy and willing to take this journey with me because I'm happy to be here. So yeah, let's get into it. Today I'm going to be talking about a woman that actually she does not have a name in the Bible. She goes by the woman of Shunem. Okay, and y'all know me. I can't pronounce these words. So go to Google. Just go to Google. But her story can be found in 2 Kings chapter 4, starting from verse 8. If you're new here, what we do is we kind of read the scripture all through and then we break it down and we digest it. So that's what I'm going to do. It is kind of a long story, but it's a good one. It's a really good one. So bear with me as I read through it. If you want to open up your Bibles, go ahead and do it. Let's get into some Bible study. If not, just follow along with me. So again, that's 2 Kings chapter 4, and I'm going to be starting from verse 8. It starts off by the header says, Elisha and the woman from Shunem." One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my lord, she cried. "O man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha has said. Yes, prophet. Verse 18. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him in her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and, my, and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It is neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said, it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, Hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shuman is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you? Is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman said to Gehazi, everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught and caught hold of his feet gehazi began to push her away but the man of god said leave her alone she is deeply troubled but the lord has not told me what it is then she said did i ask you for a son my lord and didn't i say don't deceive me and get my hopes up then elisha said to gehazi get ready to travel take my staff and go don't talk to anyone along the way go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face but the boy's mother said As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Verse 31. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi, "'Call the child's mother,' he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, "'Here, take your son.' she fell at his feet and bowed before him overwhelmed with gratitude then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs wow that's a lot that's a lot but we're about to break it all the way down so first i just want to start off by saying like that's crazy like wow okay wow My first point I want to make about this woman is that one day Elisha went to town of Shunem, and a wealthy woman lived there. My sis was wealthy. She was wealthy. Like, can we talk about it? Like, listen, I'm not here trying to say that, oh, you know, I... All I'm trying to say is that she was wealthy. And I think that's important because not only was she wealthy, it does say that she has a husband, but it said she was wealthy. So that means she had her own. And you know me, I love a woman that has her own. It doesn't matter if you're in a marriage, if you're in a relationship. It just shows a lot about a woman that really can take care of herself. Right? It's not a pride thing, but it shows that you are able to care for what God gives you. You're able to multiply it as a woman does. And you're able to create wealth for yourself. What your husband does for you is amazing. But what you do for yourself is even better. So shout out to all my independent chicks out there. Let's build wealth. Let's build generational wealth. Let's break generational curses, right? Let's not, you know, live paycheck to paycheck. And really, it's not all about money. But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ knows that money is important because most of his parables were about money. So let's not even try it, okay? So anyway, that's the first point. Our good sis was wealthy. Let's move on. Anyway, do do whatever you want with that information. Hopefully, y'all don't feel no type of way, but I hope you see my point if she was wealthy. So, okay, I'm moving on to the second point. It said, she urged him to come to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat, right? Then she also said to her husband, like, you know what? We might as well just set up a room for him because clearly he passes by here a lot. Let's just set up a room for him to be able to stay. What did I gather from that? I gathered that she's hospitable, right? For you to let someone stay in your house, and we spoke about this last time, but... You know, this is also a woman that opens her house to, to a man of God and, you know, made sure that his physical needs were met because truly praying for people is amazing, right? Whenever you can pray for those around you, but also meeting their physical needs is also very important. So if you have the means to help someone, to pray for them and to help them physically, I feel like that's even better. You know, giving him a place to stay. I'm sure he was having long journeys. I'm sure he was, you know, probably tired, hungry, weak, but she gave him a place to stay a place that would be comfortable for him to to stay I'm not saying that you have to open your house to everybody that passes by no but really what I'm trying to get at is being able to meet people's physical needs that's very important you know if you can help someone financially cool if you can help someone by even just referring them to something that's cool too so um really being hospitable and just helping people in the way that we can we as women just helping people in the way that we can so we're moving on. We're moving on. Elisha tells her that she's going to have a son, right? Um, She tells her that he's going to have a son. And it really did come to pass. As we continue to read, we see what happens with her son. We see that her son actually dies, right? So in verse 19, the boy cries out that he, his head hurts. His father asks for the son to be taken back home. Verse 20 says, so the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. This is something that I could not comprehend and I never want to comprehend it. But this woman's son just died in her lap, right? The third point I want to take is she doesn't panic. This is a very extreme case. Right. It's very extreme, but we can apply it into our life for other things. Right. I pray no one ever has to go through this. And I pray for anyone that has gone through this. Right. But right now we're just taking the fact that she doesn't panic. So apply that to whatever situation may arise in your life, knowing how to stay calm. This woman immediately laid her son down on Elisha's bed. She did not start screaming frantically, which I understand that emotions are valid. Right. But we as women, we also should. We God has also given us the grace to be able to think through situations fast. Right. So she immediately jumped into action. She immediately knew what to do. Putting the child on the, the bed of a man of God, knowing that that place is blessed, knowing that that bed is. That bed is blessed. She did not panic. This is what happens in the story, right? She just stayed calm, jumped right into action. She sent a message to her husband saying that one of the servants should bring a donkey. And that's what she did. After she told her husband to get the donkey, he says in verse 23, Why go today? He asked. It is neither a new moon festival or a Sabbath. But she said, it will be all right. Right. The fourth point is that our good sis speaks life. Even in the midst of trauma, she still spoke life. She still said it will be all right. We all know the power of our words, the power of what we say and when we say it. But she spoke life saying that it will be all right, even as her son was lying there dead. She had faith, right? She had faith to know that regardless of what's going on in my circumstance, it's gonna be all right, period, because I serve a living God, right? So- I think that's kind of like two points. She has faith and then she knows how to speak life, not succumbing to your circumstance, not being swept away by what's happening around you, but looking at the God picture, which is the bigger picture and knowing that the same God that gave me this child is the same God that's going to bring this child back to life. So I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to be frantic. I'm going to have faith that it will be all right. End of story. So then as we continue to read on, she went and she approached Elisha. Elisha saw her. He sent his servants, Gehazi. um, And even when she got there, Elisha asked her, like, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? And she said, yes, everything is fine. So that goes back to speaking life again, um, saying everything is fine when clearly it's not right. Like our physical eyes can see that things are not fine, but her spiritual eyes are saying yes everything is fine. So she continues to read. And then Elisha, right, the prophet, he tries to send his servant to go and heal the boy. And she's just looking like, if you think I came all the way here for you to send your servant, you got me messed up. So let me go to the verse. Starting from verse 29, it says, then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel and take my staff and go. Do not talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. Verse 30. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. (laughs) So basically, number five is that she's determined and she knows what she wants. Right. I'm sure as she was going there, she told herself that Elisha is coming back with me and he is going to lay hands on this boy. I don't care. I'm not taking no for an answer. Don't send nobody on your behalf. Don't send a proxy. I need you there in the flesh. Right. Some of us, we know what we want to do. But when we're actually faced with it, we kind of conform. We settle. Right. We kind of just say, mm, OK. We take second best when it's like, no, you know what you wanted before you came here. Stand up for yourself in a way that is, of course, appropriate. Right. She wasn't rude, but she told him, like, listen, sir, you're the one that promised me this child. The child came. Now the child is dead. So you need to come back with me. Like, that's just that's just it. You, Elisha, need to come back with me. And that's how we need to be in our lives. Like, let's stop settling. Let's know what we want and stick to that. When things get a little bit hard and things get a little bit tough, we don't need to just take whatever comes second. Fight for what you want. Be determined. Identify what you want and fight for that and don't settle for anything else. So moving on to the rest of the story, we see what happens. We see that a miracle happen. Let's say um, she would have been content with Gehazi coming. Maybe her child never would have been risen. Maybe he would have remained dead. But again, she fought for what she wanted. Elisha came, he laid hands on the boy. He laid, he laid his body on the boy and the boy came back to life. The last verse says, verse 36 says, Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, Call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. Last but not least is our good sis was grateful. Like being grateful is key. A lot of us pray for something for so long. We pray, pray, fast, pray, do everything. We get it and we just move on. Not once do we stop to say thank you. Not once do we stop to just really bask in the glory of God. But it says here, she fell at his feet and bowed before him. She thanked him. Because really and truly, it's only God. It's only God that could have brought that boy back to life. And she's aware of that. She is so aware of that. And we as women, we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that it's God working miracles in our life. It's God opening doors for us. It's God making a way out of no way. So let's stop for a moment and just give him thanks in the things that he's done for us. Because I'm sure each of us can look through our lives and see his presence in our lives. So although this woman doesn't have a name, which to be honest, a lot of women in the Bible don't have names, but their stories are so impactful. And if you take the time to actually see what you can learn from them, it really will inspire you. You may read this story and find, you know, different things that you can pick from it, which is great. As long as we're learning for me, I just really am always impacted by this story because I saw a mother that was faced with death and that is the ultimate thing a parent can go through. So to see how she stood gracefully and she relied on God and she stuck to his promise, it really speaks to me. And I pray it speaks to you guys too. So that is the woman for this week. The woman of Shunam. probably not saying that right. We already know how that goes, but hey. But I want you guys to be encouraged. I hope you're blessed by it. I hope you guys would further continue to read on her learn more for yourself and I can't wait to get into all the women that I have in store and that the bible has given us the opportunity to know but overall I'm just happy to be back I'm happy for season four I'm grateful for all of you guys as I wrap it up of course I want to let you guys know that you can follow Confessions of a Christian Chick on Instagram or send an email to chick at gmail.com and I'm going to catch you guys on the next episode bye